0: Anger Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org We hope you enjoy this talk.
1: Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, Thank you for reminding me of that that day we go far too fast through Belfast. I won't tell you how it finished, but it obviously finished very positively for the pair of them. Uh, It's lovely to be uh, with Peter sharing a pulpit, I think we've never shared a pulpit before, so that's that's a joy for me as well. As I was sitting down, watching the, the speakers before me, I suddenly realised I'd forgotten to powder the top of my head, <laughs> and I apologise now for whatever it, shine's going to come off it, but it's out of my hands, I uh, maybe try and get the PowerPoint up and keep it on the screen as long as possible. My time is uh, shorter than it, it was at the start of tonight. Uh, that's not the fault of anybody who went before me, uh, but I'm still going to say what I'm going to say. And I hope you bear with me. I come bearing greetings from Chiesa Sola Grazia, a small church of about 40 members on a good day, a church which is in its infancy, maybe only about nine, ten years old, a church which we, which myself and my wife Tracy, have had the pleasure of watching grow up, almost like watching a child grow. It's a million miles, not literally, but almost a million miles away from what it's like being a pastor, a Presbyterian minister here in Northern Ireland. I want to take you on a journey tonight, and there are those here tonight who have heard the story before, and I apologize in advance. Uh, I'm going to mix other bits and pieces in. But I want to do this because, yes, I want to tell you about what Coram Deo is doing in Italy. I want to tell you what God did through a fairly unsuspecting Presbyterian minister. But I also want to, to, to touch maybe a nerve tonight that you have, as you come along to this convention, as you sit and listen to various speakers from all over the world tell their story about what God is doing where they are, perhaps you have felt God saying to you, I want you to think about it. I want you to consider the possibility that maybe I'm asking you to do something. There may be hundreds of stories in here tonight from those who have gone and served and come back but maybe there are new stories which are yet to be, to be lived out. And I want to try and encourage those stories to, to maybe stand up on their own feet tonight and take flesh and walk into this world where the story of Jesus Christ is, is so deeply needed. I want to thank Philip for what he said about, about France and that area uh, just to the, the east of, of Paris. In, in many ways, I heard some of the things that I'm going to say echoed through what he said and we didn't even get the chance to talk through quite what we're going to say but Europe itself tells the same story. But let me tell you my story or should I say our story first of all. I can't claim to be from Bangor like our other speakers tonight although my grandfather was minister in Greenwood Street Newton Arts for many years and retired to Bangor and I have two sets of aunts and uncles living in Bangor. I myself taught in Hollywood primary school for a few years before the Lord called me into the ministry but I'm not from Bangor. Uh, Originally I'm from Dungannon, as is my wife Tracy, and at a fairly young age, about 15, I sensed the Lord's call to the ministry. I put it off the best I could. I ran away from it, and I became a PE teacher, and that was great for a few years until that call resurged again, and I felt the time had come to, to hold my hands up and say, okay Lord, if this is from you, then let's see what happens. I was then minister for about seven years in Guildford and Tallylish between Banbridge and Portadown, before going to Hazelbank in Coleraine for ten years. It was an interesting journey because I, I was involved in churches up until the call, and I, I listened to ministers talking about God's call, and I knew that the call was a real thing, but I, I never knew quite what it felt like. There are many here tonight who have felt that call and have gone, and are still going and still fulfilling that call. Others, perhaps, are still running as I ran from it. But about 10 years ago, we were on holiday in in Italy, as we had been for a number of years with the children. And we had gone to many of the tourist places that you go to in Italy. Can I just have a a show of hands, just to see how many of you have ever been to Italy? Okay, almost everyone, that's good. Those of you who have been, how many of you have been to, let's say, Lake Garda? Okay, so you, with your hands up, you're going to know roughly where I'm talking about tonight. We were staying at Lake Garda, and we'd seen everything, and we wanted to see somewhere that, in a sense, the tourists hadn't been yet. And I went to the tourist information and asked, can you recommend somewhere where there's uh, real Italy, authentic Italy? And she tried a few places, and I had to say, sorry, we've been there, tried that. And eventually she said, have you ever been to to Mantova?" Now, Mantua is about 30 kilometers due south of Lake Garda, uh, almost 30 kilometers due south of of Verona. It was a a place, you may have heard of it in English, Mantua. Uh, Those of you who have done English literature should know from reading Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. That was where uh, Romeo fled to uh, when his his life was in danger, he fled to Mantua. Mantua is, I can say so much about it, but I haven't time. I'm going to show you a photograph of it a little bit later on. But we went to Mantua. We did the usual things. We walked around. We got some gelato. We looked at the sights. But as we were walking around, we we got a sense, and I I can't explain this properly, but we got a, a real sense that there must be Christian churches doing something in this town. And we looked around to see if we could see people handing out tracts or doing street work, but there was nothing and so we, we paused quietly in the middle of one of the piazzas and bowed our heads and simply prayed, Lord, we don't know what's going on here, but we sense that you're doing something in this place. Whatever that work is, would you, would you bless that work? And interestingly, uh, eight years later, we had John Blanchard in Mantova, and he said to me, just walking through the town, unknown, he didn't know what I just said to you there now, and he said, you know, I really sense something of God in this, in this town. Anyway, we finished our holiday, we came home. Almost a year later, I was sitting working in my study. The Presbyterian Herald was sitting beside me, as a good Presbyterian minister should always have a sitting beside him, and never go near the very back page of it where the list of vacancies are. But I was leafing through, and before I came to the very back page, I noticed a small advert that simply said, Interested in mission in Italy. I lifted the phone, I phoned the number connected to it. There was a gentleman called Ian McElhenney, who told me he was the European... Uh, UK, sorry, the UK director of Corumdale Ministries. I had never heard of Corumdale Ministries. He said to me, "Look, I'm going to be in Culrain next week. Let's meet for a cup of coffee, and I'll tell you about it." So I met Ian, and he started talking to me about Corumdale. Now let's see if I can get this to work. First slide. If it doesn't come up, there we go. Corumdale, Corumdale Ministries. He said to me, we're a, an organization, a very small organization, based in Italy. We have a, a board of international directors who are basically there to advise and to help and to encourage. A, a gentleman called Andrea Artioli, who's a pastor of a small church that we've planted in a place called Porto Mandavano, which is just outside Mantava. I said, sorry, where did you say that was? He said, it's a place called Mantova. You've, you've probably never heard of it. Nobody I've spoken to has ever heard of it. And I told him the story. I've just told you. And he said, that's remarkable because nobody knows where Mantova is and you've actually been there. So Ian told me about Coramdale work. They, they, plant, they planted one church. Their dream in the future is to, to plant more churches uh, within Italy. They also translate books from the likes of John Blanchard and John Piper by permission into Italian so that the books, books are available for Italian believers to read for themselves. Uh, they've done quite a number of those books And they they bring those books into conferences uh, where they they sell the books, but also they bring speakers from the UK and from America. And many Italians come to these conferences. They organize one conference in the north, uh, one part part in the year, and then down in the south, usually down in Sicily, uh, at another part in the year to try and get the whole of the country covered. Uh, And the Sicilians are are wonderful people, uh, wonderful, vibrant faith. And we had nearly 300 came along to our conference last year. So this was very interesting, this news about Coramdeo. Coramdeo stands for it basically means before the face of God. In other words, we live our lives, we do our ministry, we exist before the face of God. Nothing is hidden, and we live to glorify God through the way we live our lives. Where is Mantava? Let me let me just show you a map quickly. I'll show you where this is. This is a picture of Mantava from one of three lakes that's surrounded to the north. There was a fourth lake to the south. It has since dried up and been developed. It's often referred to as the Florence of the north, a very small centre but a region, quite a large region around that, where there are said to be 1,000 churches. We're in the same Lombardy region as was mentioned earlier. We're down in the very sort of south tip of Lombardy, an area which is very flat and grows a lot of rice, You might think that's strange, people can't understand why the Italians want to grow rice. But then if you've ever eaten risotto, you'll know the Italians need to have their rice for that and it's throughout our whole region. A beautiful city, but a city which has need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, as Ian was talking to me, I became interested in just what work was being done there. Uh, And through different connections and through different opportunities and through different visits to Mantua, we were able to Build up a relationship with those who who work there, and really from wait, t- ten years ago, that relationship strengthened and deepened. And we, I preached when I was out in summer holidays. We went out and did youth conferences for them. Uh, they came over and visited. I went to First Balamina, held a conference there, and so the, the relationship grew and developed. And then over time, the the Presbyterian Church in Cormdale got together. And the opportunity was formed where we would send a team to work at a literary festival that was held every year in the town. A festival where so many authors from all over the world came and talked about their books and gave out uh, wonderful lectures and talked uh, to to many people on the street about the books that they had written. Well, in actual fact, we realized that we have the greatest book ever written. And so we set up a stall. uh, We got permission from the council to do this. And we stood on the streets of Mandav and handed out Bibles to people walking past. And we did this for for three years. We brought John Blanchard for two years, who spoke at a a conference. Uh, Many people came to hear what he had to say. And so the the relationship developed over three years. Tracy and myself led that team. And as time went by, we, we, we began to sense that God might be saying, I want you to think a little bit more seriously about this whole connection with Italy. And we were challenged to think, could it possibly be that God's asking us to go and work in Italy? Now, we had no desire to go. We, we had every reason not to go. We had parents who were, I mean, in its latter years of life, my mother had Alzheimer's. My father was looking after her. Tracy's mother had died. Her father was on his own. Our kids were at that stage of education where they were doing O-levels and A-levels. Uh, I was working in 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 Korean uh, very happily. Tracy was working for 10 years in Faith Mission in Korean. Why would we ever want to stop all that and suddenly move to another country. It was madness. But the pool was there. The pool was there. And we could not necessarily put that out of our minds. But why, why go to Italy? Well, in the same way as there's, there's a pool, there was also, in some ways, a push too. And I want to talk to you about that in a moment. But I want to show you a short video. It only lasts for a couple of minutes. It's been produced by... Uh, an organisation, an American organization that we, we know and work with at times uh, so slightly American and if there are Americans here tonight forgive me for saying that and their spelling's wrong at times as well because they use this American spelling um, but they also refer to cities now when they say cities they basically mean provincial towns uh, within Italy because it's a huge number but I want you to watch this and there are certainly echoes of what you heard from France uh, uh, a little bit earlier.
0: When you think of Italy, what comes to your mind? Great food, picturesque landscapes, ancient monuments, maybe beautiful art, or inspiring music. How about some of the fastest sports cars in the world? Sounds like an incredible place to visit, right? Well, there's another side to Italy, one that most never see. Today I invite you to take another look not through the eyes of a tourist, but through the eyes of God. Contrary to popular opinion, Italy is actually a mission field. It has been Christianized, but it has never been evangelized. It's time to wake up Italy. Of Italy's estimated 60 million inhabitants, 95% identify themselves as Catholics, but only 5% actually attend mass regularly. Unfortunately, religion is more tradition and convenience than a life-changing choice. Today in Italy, even the veneer of religion is being worn away by ever-increasing secularism and materialism. This leaves millions searching for answers about life. Instead of relying on a personal relationship with a loving savior, many turn to the occult. Last year alone, Italians spent over $8.5 billion consulting with psychics and clairvoyants for advice. Those who are still searching in Italy for an authentic community of believers will have to look very hard. Of Italy's 33,500 cities, only 1,500 have an evangelical church. That's considering evangelical churches of any denomination. 32,000 cities still have no church with so few churches is there any wonder why many in Italy have completely turned away from God
1: facts very similar to what you just heard from Philip so there was yes there was that pull but there's also that, that push being minister in Korean was a, a very joyful time for me but there were 29 churches within the 30 mile an hour speed limit of the town centre. And I was one of those churches and, and, and part of what I was feeling was how, how could I possibly stay here when there are so many churches with, with no evangelical, so many towns with no evangelical witness in this country called Italy that the Lord has warmed our heart to. And so it seemed like the right thing to do. I knew if I was to leave Hazelbank somebody else would come in after me but somebody needed to go and it wasn't the right time for us to go or at least we thought it wasn't the right time to go. I want to read just for a few moments from First Thessalonians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles please feel free to follow along. Paul had established the church in Thessalonica he had only a very short time there before he had to leave And he loved the people in Thessalonica so much, but he wanted to know what was going on, what was happening when he wasn't there. And so Timothy is sent, and Timothy is asked to go and find out what's happening and then bring a report back to Paul so Paul can find out what's been going on there. We read from verse 6 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us, that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This was one of our readings, one of our thoughts. And for us, all of a sudden, we saw great parallels between our connection with this church, Sola Grazia, and, and where we were. And yet these words of Paul's, where Paul basically is saying, look, I, I'm praying to the Lord that he will, he will clear a path for us so that we can get to you again. For Paul, there were, there were lots of problems, difficulties, and situations which he couldn't, at that moment, get back to where he wanted to be with the people he loved in Thessalonica. And we were feeling the same, the same strain. Lord, if you want us to go, this, is, this isn't going to be possible. Because there are too many things in our plate at the moment, too many obstacles in our path. If you want us to go, Lord, you're going to have to clear those, those obstacles out of the way. What an incredible prayer to pray. One which I didn't fully realize when I was praying that what it actually meant. Shortly after praying that prayer, my father was diagnosed seriously ill and died six weeks later. My mother had to be put into, into permanent na- nursing care. Uh, she ended up just down the road, actually, in, in Crawfordsburn. As we were trying to get all that sorted out, weeks after that, I had a heart attack. I was perfectly fit. There was no reason for me to have a heart attack. No family history. Nothing. Uh, the doctor said it was just too much going on at one time. And as I was taking time off, our manse was burgled, and. Many precious things are things which we regarded as precious were taken from us. And all of a sudden, bit by bit, those things which we had put in place, those things which we felt were important and were, were not movable in any shape or form, were being cleared out of the way. Until it came the point the following April where we suddenly realized that we, we have no reason not to go now. The only issue was going to be leaving our, our children behind we had to leave a 20 year old and an 18 year old at, at, back at home, one at school uh, finishing off exams, another one at uh, university. We took a 17 year old with us, something we're told you shouldn't really do. You should never take teenagers with you on mission work. Uh, but the Lord is gracious. It was the worst six months of our lives, but it was the best six months of our lives. We would never have asked for it if we would known what the Lord was going to do. We would have never gone looking for it. And yet it would never have happened if these things hadn't happened. And I want to leave you just tonight with that thought. What is the Lord asking me to do? Have I said somehow, Lord, I can't possibly do it because there's this and that and the other still in the way? Well, then I dare you. Pray that prayer. See if the Lord would really clear the way for you. Lord, if this is your will for me to do this, if you want me to go to this place, to speak to that person, to plant that church, then Lord, you're going to have to clear the way because it's not going to happen otherwise. But I, I warn you before you pray that prayer, think before you pray it because the Lord will take that prayer seriously. But don't be tempted to be like the person who who wants to pray that prayer but is quite happy to put a lot of things in your own way where you say, well, Lord, I can't go because you know what if, what if this happens and I want to do this and I've got this plan and we have, as a family, talked about doing this in the future. Those are things you can take back off your plate again. Those are things that you can take out of the way. Don't ask God to move those things because there are a lot of things in our lives which we can sort out, but there are a lot of things which we need the Lord to deal with. Paul prayed that the Lord would clear a way for him to get back to them. We know how that story finished. The Lord cleared a way for us. And to be honest with you, I prayed the prayer, but I I was kind of hoping he wouldn't do it. I never wanted to become a missionary. I never wanted to become a Presbyterian minister. (laughs) I was quite happy being a PE teacher working in a primary school, and it was great. Think of the long summers you got. But my life is not my life to live my way. And I could have been happy in a very superficial way, but until you allow the Lord to take you into the center of his will, and until you allow the Lord to direct your path, you will not have peace. Because if you know he's asking you to do something else, those hounds will chase you. And you will toss and turn as you try to sleep at night. The only way to find that peace is by saying, okay, Lord, let's see see where this goes. And so a missionary convention is not about the missionaries who stand at the front and do the talking. It's about all of us because we're all involved in a mission. And who knows, you could be here one, one year telling your story, but maybe you need to pray that prayer. And I want to really encourage you tonight to think about it. To be brave enough. I was foolish enough, but to be brave enough to pray that prayer and to see what happens. Let me quickly give you a, an outline of what we do. Before we finish, okay. Oh, okay. I'm working. I don't know how to change that. Guys, the back, can you help me? Thank you. I'm working as an associate pastor, which is fantastic. After being pastor for 17, 18 years in Northern Ireland, where the buck stopped here, it's nice to be an associate pastor where you work alongside a pastor uh, and you just advise and you encourage and you preach and you you help with the teaching and and you work as a team. Uh, And I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I'm working with an Italian who speaks perfect English. Uh, and my Italian isn't as good as it should be because he speaks perfect English. And I let him speak to me in English instead of working hard at the Italian. We also teach English as a foreign language, a wonderful way to interact with the community. The Italians love English and they want to learn English and they want the children to learn English. And so you, they can't get enough English. I'm also working with a, a football team connected with the with the, the church Porta United where lots of young lads come along and we get a chance to pray with them and to witness to them uh, but also to, to share a short gospel message as well uh, very important work and it's interesting that the Lord called me out of a, a PE background to be able to work in a football club in, in Italy of all places school work uh, Tracy has been involved in school work because uh, through conversations with parents etc and would, would you be able to come in and maybe do a short English class with, uh, with the wee ones To, can you come in again next week? To, can you come in and do right throughout the school next year? Incredible. In just a few short months, it came from just one class to, we'd love to have you working throughout the school, working English. Which raises a profile of us as Irish people, as we call ourselves, working in Italy, but also Sola Grazia Church in the community. Uh, and that's, that's a huge work we really want you to pray for the school work Tracy also helps with the administration of the church with the finances and with, with all the books with her experience in faith mission uh, Andrea's just so happy to have her there to help sort out all the books that Coram Day was publishing uh, children's outreach through holiday bible clubs etc uh, and we've got other plans for that as things go on I told you about the conferences uh, we've got two conferences coming up in, uh, in November and we would appreciate your prayer for those as well But we also host overseas teams. We've had a couple of teams coming out already. We had one from from Arkansas in America, uh, and they stayed with us. And also Coaching for Christ had a team out with us at the start of June. And so it was wonderful being able to be the sort of English-speaking go-between from the team and the Italians. We've only been there, we've only started our second year. Our advice was go and drink coffee and just listen for the first year. We arrived on a Friday night. On Saturday morning, we were driving to a conference in Tuscany And we worked solidly ever since. But our joy is in serving the Lord and it would have broken our hearts just to sit and listen and do nothing. But the work is there. And the wee church is doing a fantastic work. There are so many plans it has for the future. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with new buildings, etc. because we're growing out of the building we're in and we need to move. But obviously with the constraints of finance, we we can't do that just yet. But I want to encourage you to pray for, for this church and for the work that they're doing. We're not planting a church. We're coming alongside a pre-existing church that was already there, and we're simply encouraging, coming as hands and feet, coming as ears and coming as hearts to try and help that church get on his feet, disciple his people, and then God willing, plant further churches in much the same way as, as Philip's talked about Acts 29 in France. But I want to close not praying for our work, not praying for this church, but I want to close just simply praying for, for every head bowed before the Lord tonight. Because some of you are maybe so close to saying, okay, Lord, let's do this. And maybe tonight's that night where you you go home and say, right, let's go. So let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of purpose and a God who surprises us and a God who so often takes those who would least expect to do a work for you. And you turn us into your servants in ways which we couldn't have believed possible. And Lord, we claim no power or ability of our own. We are simply a glove allowing your hand to come within us to do those wonderful works, Lord. And I pray for for those here tonight, Lord. I praise you that we have wonderful servants here tonight who have served you for many years overseas. But We also, Lord, have many servants in here tonight who haven't yet started because they're still waiting for that, that moment of confirmation. They're still waiting to hear that voice from you to say, yes, I really do need you to go. I pray for them tonight, Lord, that this would be the night that it comes alive for them. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. And I praise you for what you're prepared to do through the lives of those who surrender to that call. And we ask this, giving thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate